Hey everybody, welcome back for episode 56 of That Scale RC Show with Jay, Travis, and Adam. So. Are we so, just going to jump right into the meat and potatoes? <sighs> we should. I kind of put like a little bit of a plan out there to talk about like warranty stuff because it's something that I've been seeing like on a daily basis. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to hear what the public expects versus what they're actually going to get, which is okay. law laid down. So figured we could talk about that. And I'm willing to guess that Chris Trudeau has some questions. Um, probably Elliot too. So we also yeah, got to talk about pro line. Yeah. Um, that's probably really the biggest piece of news. I, I just well, now today saw the release that uh, kind of the Q&A that uh, Horizon put out about it, but that's really about all I know. Yeah. I, well, so, just so we're clear, we're all on the same page. We're talking about the uh, uh, ProLine Horizon thing, right? Correct. Correct, yeah. Yeah, so for okay, anyone who doesn't know. I make sure that, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who doesn't know... Um, Horizon bought Proline Racing this week, um, which has caused quite a reaction in the RC world. Uh, dare I say it, most of it bad, um, which is kind of funny to me, really. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's, that's what's happened. That's the big piece of news. That's probably the only real news we've had, with the exception of the low-C car finally coming out, that uh, laser nut replica, which is oh, cool. And- we got some uh, spy photos too floating around out there of the Axial Gladiator too. Yeah, that's true. So I guess okay. Yep. So I guess there's a bit uh, of news out there. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'll just dive into it head first. I really don't understand why so many people are so upset about Proline being bought out by Horizon. Like I really do not understand um, because we we all saw it with. Axial, when they bought out, when Axial was bought out by Horizon, it's kind of the same thing. Everybody kind of freaked out, but then nothing's really changed. I mean, yeah, like with Axial, we got a lot more of the, um, you know, like the Horizon house brands in the RTRs and all that stuff now. Um, But all in all, it's still the same thing. You're still putting out a quality product. So, I mean, I don't see why everyone's in a fuss. Or is everyone in a fuss just because, like, we're stuck at home more now? I, I so, so pe- there are points that people are making which I think we should address because some of them are kind of funny, to be honest with you. So, I people have this like weird um, skepticism about Horizon, and that for whatever reason, whatever they touch, whatever they buy somehow makes that brand worse and makes the industry worse. And, and the funny part about it is, is that like a lot of people were trying to compare this in case in point Axial. Everyone's like, well, look what happened to Axial. And what? My, they have yeah, like, like what? Broader product line and yeah, better quality. Better quality. Know. Yeah, they're arguably better than ever. Yet people yeah. are like, oh, well, you know, Axial is not the same anymore, and uh, pre pre Horizon Axial is the best. It's just not true. It's just because like a couple people aren't there doing live videos for them anymore, and suddenly people are having an issue with that. Like, the, I, I Axial's case in point that that's that's not true. So because I mean, I, Axial turned it around. Like, if imagine 
what's happening in the scale world right right now, honestly, and the way that Axial was kind of going before, I don't know if they would have been able to compete on that same level. I don't know. Uh, they were kind of a messer for a while. For a I while, mean, honestly, yeah. It, but mean. they existed in a time where Axial was really the only, like, real solution for scaling. Like, they were, like if you were going to get a crawler, like it was going to be an Axial. There was the occasional RC four-wheel drive and the occasional G-Mate, and, and then Traxxas was sort of getting their feet wet. But really, it was Axial that dominated the market. If, if Axial was the way it is then, now, they wouldn't be holding a candle to anybody releasing cars right now. I, I, Horizon saved that company. I, I really do believe that. And so I, I think that that's an inane point to make. Like, it's just, it's, it, that, that didn't happen. The well, other th- I, go oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go, no go ahead. all I was going to say was, to me, it just kind of seems like, I think it's more like people are freaking out about, I guess, any kind of deals or sponsorships they currently have because I've heard from two sponsored drivers, the first things they said is, well, I'm getting in my orders this week because I could probably kiss this sponsorship goodbye. And it's like, yeah, you know, that might (laughs) might happen. That could be something of value. But is that the reason why you're complaining? Are you complaining now because you are losing out on something benefiting yourself versus – something that could be benefiting the company as a whole. Well, you know what? As a ProLine team driver, let me say this, is that the day this happened, we got an email saying that nothing is changing operationally. Nothing is happening to the team. Nothing is happening the way that ProLine works. Because a lot of, like, that was a lot of the reaction was that suddenly, like, people, like, Horizon is going to come in and completely dismantle this company and how it works. And, like, Especially the, like, let's just touch on a couple key points here, why people are particularly upset. Some of them are justified, some of them are not. Let's get into the ones that aren't first, which is that ProLine's going to be a, no, because Horizon has overseas stuff, that Horizon is, or um, ProLine is not going to be a made in the USA company anymore, which is not true, okay? I've been to that facility. ProLine is an awesome facility, and they're, a, it's a, it's not a very big space, but it's very condensed and everything they do is in-house and they, they employ a lot of people there that specifically do things that just make product for them. Like that is their entire job. They were, if like ProLine is just spread thin, they're just busy. They, they're a really busy company for not a lot of people. So if anything, having some corporate ownership is going to help because they're going to have a little bit more resources to work with. Not that ProLine was doing bad, but it's just one of those things where it's just, you, you, you get outpaced sometimes. Sometimes you just can't keep up and um, they're not going to change that. I mean, why would they dismantle it? it? It doesn't make any sense. The amount of money that they would have to invest to change everything overseas, especially in the middle of a trade war. It, it's not, as cost effective to switch to China right now because everything is being done to try and prevent that. So that's not going to happen, especially during a pandemic. So that's still not going to happen. So like, and also on top of that, like the other thing is that people are saying that, well, now they're not going to make stuff for Traxxas cars anymore. They're not going to make this and that. They're only going to make products for low seas. They're only going to make products for axials, which I guess is technically possible. But if you're, buying a company that has a proven business model, why would you strip away nine tenths of your customer base just to sell stuff exclusively for your other brands? What I read was that they are not going to require TLR drivers to run ProLine tires or anything like that. You still have the freedom to pick whatever tires. Um, They're still going to make products for all the different brands. So that's not changing. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think 
See, in Axial's case, the people that were kind of the figureheads at that company were available, you know, like at Axial Fest and stuff like that, and they'd show up at other events and things, and you had the opportunity to kind of like bro down with those guys. And I think that's part of the reason people were upset is, you know, they couldn't say, you know, oh, well, my buddy, blah, 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 works at Axial. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, so which is true. I, I, I think that that's part of it. Um, I don't know if we're seeing some of that with the Proline. I mean, because they have, you know, like Paul's a figurehead and he's a face that you see in all their videos and stuff like that. You know, I don't know if people are worried that, you know, because they bro down with Paul, now they think that, you know, that's going to go away or something. I mean, it just, I don't know. It It's, I, I think it's silly. Axial, their quality got better. We're seeing everything way. Got yeah. Like everything got a better. Huge range of products now with all kinds of options. The quality got improved. There's releasing more kits faster, you know, than they have in the past. And I think it was all really positive steps. Um, I think the same thing will happen with Proline. Like, I mean, for me, I'm kind of excited about it because I think it'd be sick if, like, Proline started, you know, having, like, licensed Nitto tires or Falcon or some of these ones that Axial's been using. Um, I think it'd be sick to get more, like, licensed tires and bodies and stuff like that. And Yeah, uh, it's just more avenues. I mean, the things that people are, are concerned about happening to Proline are things that would, if implemented, would directly cost Proline and Horizon money. It would no, not. They would not be cost-effective solutions to limit their scope. Right. Anything like it's just it's not smart business. If they were going to do that, like because the other the people were saying like, well, they needed Proline's manufacturing capabilities. Like, well, no, they didn't. Because I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, just in a different light. Proline is not a big place. All right. Like it's a, they machine. Like they do everything in house. Like all the way down to the rubber. That is true. But it's not a power plant of production. Like they're just busy. So. I'm, right. Dare I say it, Horizon was probably fine on the resource front. Proline's not going to, Proline does not have the bandwidth unless they get a bigger facility to contribute to them in that regard for them to be like a true manufacturing hub for Horizon. I don't see them doing that. Yeah, um, they're I, not going to be making Axial's tires. No, and it's just making, a cash flow thing. You know, it, yeah, it's, it's a cash flow thing. It, it's the same drama queens online that freaked out when horizon bought axial yeah. and they're like oh they're gonna dis dissolve the company axial's done for it's gone you know it's, it's just, just a lack it's, of critical it's thinking bored people that want to yeah i mean it's a it's, lack of critical thinking these decisions aren't cheap so why no. would you like again look back to the axial thing why would you buy axial to just dismantle it it was kind of happening on its own Horizon yeah, didn't need to buy them so. to dismantle it and prop up vatera or whatever the conspiracy theory was at the time I mean, yeah, that whole it, thing was just silly. Yeah, I mean, Viterra got the bad end of the deal and kind of expectedly, so I don't know what people were expecting to happen. Now, now, one, to, to I guess, to be ultimately fair, there is one point that does have some merit, and that is the fact that a lot of hobby shops cannot buy through Horizon because Horizon is one that has a high buy-in. In, you know, in terms of your initial product, a lot of, a lot of hobby shops, small time hobby shops, brick and mortars struggle to do that. And I, and so the concern is that if horizon becomes exclusively distributor, becomes the exclusive distributor of Proline, 
then shops will not be able to carry ProLine because before you just went direct. So they haven't said how that's going to work yet. Again, I don't... Horizon is a big corporate entity, yes, but I really do think they have their heads on straight. I don't think they would buy... Again, back to my same point. I don't think they're going to buy a company and strangle it. Yeah, no. They made it really clear in the message today that that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, if you're gonna, if you're gonna take a company and 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 warp it to your needs, why wouldn't you take a company like AKA or something who have similar capabilities? They're just, you know, struggling. Yeah, it, you know, it's just it's it's again, it's one of those things. I think the likelihood of these these bad scenarios that people are freaking out about, like, really just don't. I don't think there's a lot of value to those opinions. I I, I yeah. think Proline's gonna be fine. I think Horizon knows what they're doing, and I don't. I, I'm. I'm, and I think Proline is going to be okay. Like, I, they're not. Like I said, they're not going to dismantle it. They're not going to do anything. It's just, it's a cash flow thing. They have an opportunity to buy this company. They're going to buy this company, or you would do the same thing. Yeah. So I was going to say, I think we're all like on the same like um, page. That realistically, what I think everyone's fears are is the personality or the, I guess the personable connection you can have with people at the company, which you can still have because I mean, it's been proven. We had Randall on the show not that long ago. He's been with Axial for like what, 10, 12 years. So, I mean, and he's still a personable guy. He still will talk to you, say what's up. I mean, that didn't change. Yes. There was a lot of people that left, um, right around the same time as the horizon merge. Now, are we all going to say that that was from the horizon merge? We weren't there to specifically see that. So we don't know, but I think the reason why everyone freaked out with the axial is because axial was running kind of like their own show, but they were, I guess, what's the word? Like they were funded by, tower hobbies or hobby co yeah so they're just kind of like so it's kind of like they were out doing whatever they wanted and then just handed the bill back to hobby co instead of like where horizon is giving like more of a hey this is what we're doing so there's a little bit more like guidance and set rules so i think that's why people kind of freaked out but i mean we all can agree that the quality got a lot better and I mean, nothing's, I mean, nothing's changed. And if it mm-hmm. has, it hasn't, it wasn't for the worst. Yeah. I mean, I, it, there are definitely arguable points as far as the pros and cons of corporate ownership. No question. But the people who are going to feel that more than anything are going to be the people who work for that company. I don't mm-hmm. think, uh, I, I really don't, I can't think of a scenario where there were, Axial customers out there after the the buyout, where they didn't experience anything but benefits. Like honestly, like what everything is just it, to me, it's just gotten better. A lot of the gripes that I had about Axial before, which were particularly on the quality front, I appear to be gone. Yeah, at, at least yeah. significantly improving. If they're not. Right. Well, yeah, like the rod ends or links, all that stuff got better. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So again, coming from Horizon's existing capabilities, so I, I get why people are worried about it. I get the skepticism, but I'm also urging people to like really sit back and think about it for a minute because 
I, I think it'll be okay. Well, the oh. other cool thing, sorry. No, that's I was okay. just going to say, it was stuff like I was kind of thinking of while we're all talking. So you know how, like I just said, with like Axial, you know, that they put everything, like when you get a kit, it's all like in-house brands. Yeah. So what if this means now that you're going to get something like, you know, oh, the next um, RTR you get, or even kit, let's say it's like, let's say they come out with another Jeep, uh, not just the um, Gladiator, which we can touch on that in a second, but um, let's say they come out with another Jeep in another year or two. What if that's a Proline body, not just an axial stamped body from Joe Blow, you, you know, that we don't even know who does the bodies? I mean, because does anybody really know who um, molds and forms all the bodies for like axial? No, I'm assuming the factory does it. It's probably done. Yeah, overseas, see, so, so. That, so I think that's kind of cool because now being that Proline is part of a house brand, I think they're going to have more, like, let's say, like, I'm just throwing Jeep out there because they do a lot of Jeeps. Let's say they come out with, you know, another Blazer or or the Bronco body, you know. Now it could be a Proline body that you get in the kit or as an RTR. It is possible, but if they are going to do that, then they do need to significantly expand Proline. Because yeah, if, that'd be a lot of. I mean, that would be tough for Proline to produce that many bodies to put in kits. Yeah, because be it comes back to the cost effectiveness question. Is that is that something like again? You're going to put them all in kits. Is like if you can make the money work, okay. But can you make the time work and the workload and everything else? And versus the other but products that it would cost putting on the that, shelf. But that's what I'm saying. What if they? So what if they plan on expanding? Which now yeah, they take Prolines, you know, and they they put them in a bigger building. Done double the amount of machines, double the amount of, you know, manpower if it's feasible and mm-hmm. they start cranking some stuff out, which isn't, yeah, which is entirely possible. And I think that that scenario is probably more likely than any of the other ones that we talked about. I mean, obviously the possibility remains that we could be totally wrong and the company just com- gets completely dismantled and shattered, but I highly highly well, they already that, said that's not gonna happen they already said that's not gonna happen so and the if the employees aren't freaking out i don't think we have cause to freak out so i think we'll be okay um and you know what if we end up being wrong then come back and tell us we were wrong and you know <laughs> whatever but i think it'll be all right yeah it'll be fine i think if it'll i think it'll be a relationship that in for, for pro line in particular um it'll pan out how would you like to be Horizon and take on two companies that have massive customer appreciation events? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're yeah, going right. to be so festivaled out by <laughs> by next year. Yeah, like, no man. kidding. Yeah, that's a rough one. But <laughs> they're getting this year off, so that's cool, I guess. You know, they don't have to deal with Axial Fest. They had the one back east, and that was it. So Yeah, we'll which we never really saw week. much about, did we? I didn't see anything for that much coverage or anything about it. I don't know if you guys no, did, but I, I I saw some. Like I saw a pretty good line of cars waiting to get in and park. And I saw stuff like, like the that. occasional tagged photo. I don't know if it was just for whatever reason Facebook wasn't showing it to me, but I just it never really popped up. It, it wasn't the flood that we're used to of pictures and stories and yeah, you know it. I, it wasn't like what we've seen. With Maybe because we didn't know anybody there or something. You know, I guess with the, the Axial Fest here, we always know a bunch of people. I was going to say there's like a handful of people that I recognize that went, um, but it was really just Axial putting out um, any kind of coverage 
on what was going on. And I think it followed for a good almost week after because they were still uploading stuff like pictures from the um, the concourse, uh, the rock racing, the um, the award ceremony, uh, um, stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So it was pretty much all through Axial, though. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to have to go look that up because I didn't see any. But yeah, so anyways, that's the Proline thing. Um, so I yeah. guess, um, well, we'll just touch on it real quick. Uh, there was a ton of leaked spy photos, whatever you want to call them, of the new Axial Gladiator, which I'm assuming is starting out in a kit, maybe an RTR. I really don't know. Um, it didn't really say, so I'm not too sure. And actually, which I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying... Um, I reached out to Randall to see what was going on, and he did confirm, because obviously the cat's out of the bag, um, that the that it is indeed coming. He says, yep, surprise, but he hates leakers. And he said that that is a long wheelbase chassis, so it is longer than a 12.3. So do we want to take guesses right now on how long that actual wheelbase is? Um I don't know. And I don't know. I'm I'm thinking twelve eight to thirteen. I'm gonna guess it's between thirteen and thirteen and a half. That's not a bad length because that U4 rig that we built, that bomber with the enduro axles and the one nine wheels and tires on it, that thing's 13 and a half and it doesn't really, that extra length doesn't seem to hamper it at all. The reason why this is going to seem longer is because on a U4 rig, the axles kind of just stop. Well, the front, they're not, they're like closer to the end of the rig. So there's not much overhang, whereas this is like a body. So you're going to have the tail end part of the bed hanging over and you're going to have obviously the front. So it's going to appear longer. Um, which in my honest opinion, I think it's like a, it's doing it's like it a right. Double, it's doing it right. But what I was going to say was what you're, the thing that you're, you're changing right now, especially is the fact that everybody's so accustomed to that, like magical 12.3. Um, so watch this be like a 13.3, you know, wheelbase, which is cool, but, um, you know, now you're kind of changing the game a little bit and, you know, somebody who gets that, they're going to be like, Oh, what do I do? But if it's still on the same, which I don't see why they would go backwards. If it's on the SCX 10 three platform, that is a, um, adjustable chassis. So you can actually adjust the length of it. So realistically, you should be able to get that gladiator body, put it on your 10 three and adjust your chassis accordingly, um, which is kind of a cool feature. And I do like that they made it longer because I really had I was really excited when Proline came out with the Gladiator body, but because they wanted it to fit the twelve three wheelbase, they really uh, dwarfed that body and really shrunk it down to fit that wheelbase and. I just think it fell a little short because um, I've seen a couple people with it and it's, and it's just like you put, you take that particular body and you put it like next to 
um, even a Proline uh, Jeep body, and the Jeep body towers over the um, the Gladiator, so it's just like way out of proportion. I think it's going to be nice doing it the long wheelbase, just because it's actually going to look right. They're not trying to cram a long pickup onto a twelve point three wheelbase chassis. Like I, I think it's going to be pretty rapid, oh, yeah. actually. And if it's got all the same detail as the JL body, man, that thing's going to be one nice finish. Super result. sick. Yeah, it pretty so. badass rig. I think that's going to be awesome. Very yeah. excited to see it. Yeah, but the only thing is, I don't know. Well, nobody knows when because I even asked him. He said he wasn't allowed to release specs on it yet. So that's why we don't even know how um, long the wheelbase is. So those dirty um, and, then, and then the last little bit of news: um, the LaserNet ring. Yes, it's awesome. It's out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't really know what else, like what there is to say about it. Really, it is. Um, it is. It's ten platform based. Um, which there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. I was a little bit disappointed, but there is nothing wrong with it. It's a good platform. Um, and it's kind of in line with where that sector of U four is going. So it made sense. Um, no, it. I mean, it turned out cool. It. And it seems to be pretty popular among people too. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of them just cruising around Instagram and everything. So, um, yeah, kind of a cool, like unexpected release still. I, maybe it's because it's 10 platform based is why it came out under the low C name, but that part still, I'm still not super clear on, but yeah, I mean, still, still cool rig. So Maybe a direction, hopefully the start of a trend we're seeing where more more U four rigs start to come out from these uh from these companies, Horizon and, and uh Element or something, hopefully in the future maybe. I'd like to see them that'd, do that. That'd be rad because it's I mean, it it's fun. It's definitely a fun type of racing and it, I think it would be really cool to have some actual legit manufactured u4 rigs yeah, out there that you can just buy hasn't been really any manufacturer support for u4 like a lot of it is just sort of people doing things themselves which is cool but i mean like again a lot of the 221 limited class that's pretty much converted four-wheel short courses and eight scales and things like that which again is cool but it'd be nice to see manufacturers kind of jump on board here and <laughs> Because what if they do it right, they can add it to the the ecosystem of of scale vehicles. So mm-hmm. that's what I would like to see start to happen. You know, as much yeah, as it's to see new crawler here. releases, that you know, after a while, it's nice to see something different. No, absolutely. Oh yeah, that was kind of it for news. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think there's really much new. Uh, going on other than that so well, what do you think you guys want questions or you want warranty talk i mean kind of the questions are sort of based around that so yeah why don't we just dive into the questions and we'll just kind of expand the conversation on that all right okay. well i will go ahead and pull them up real quick i didn't do show notes or anything because i'm in the i'm in the bedroom recording this so oh. i pull up on my phone real fast okay 
I'll just dive right in. So, uh, Jeremy Kim. Uh, well, first of all, let's just let's ask the original question, which was posted by uh, by Jay on the Scale RC Show Facebook page earlier today, which was, um, how much do you feel a manufacturer should cover in terms of warranty, and for how long? What is reasonable in your mind? And uh, so all the questions kind of respond to that. So the first one response we got was from Jeremy Kim. He said, most, um, he said, I feel like most of the time it's the customer's fault, whether it's their pride or just not knowing and not asking and really listening and comprehending what people tell them. Uh, sometimes swallowing their pride and asking because um, they don't know is the best solution, um, which is true, but people don't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, that's kind of a blanket blanket coverage there i think uh elliot responded also i think for the first six months to a year should be con um converted i'm not quite sure what he's saying here he says i'll just read it as he wrote it he says i think for the first six months to a year should be converted if it's a product malfunction maybe he meant to say covered covered if yeah. it's a product malfunction if it isn't for fault if it is user error that breaks something despite when I don't think the company should be forced to give you a replacement or discount, it's your fault, send it in or move on. Um, and then Dan Sutherland also responded. He said, it depends working at a hobby shop in the past. I've seen some stuff that would make you scratch your head when I was there and someone had a problem with their, their with a new vehicle, I would call the manufacturer on their behalf, tell them who I am and the customer's problem. Nine times out of 10, the manufacturer would send us a new part ESC uh, radio to replenish our stock so we can get the customer going that day. Um, a point is kind of brought up in, in his response that I think is interesting is how many people go back to the place they bought it from for warranty. This, this was a big discussion in some groups a while back where people, you know, were debating, should you expect the hobby shop or the manufacturer to cover warranty? Which mm. I thought was kind of interesting. It's for me, it's always been, you know, you first go to the place where you got it from because sometimes there are some hobby shops that are pretty, you know, awesome and they go above and beyond and they try to take care of it for you. Uh -huh. Um, but realistically, if the manufacturer has a problem or it's a, it's a problem with the manufacturing, then realistically it has nothing to do with the hobby shop because if they, you know, you're like, I'm trying to look at it from the way I deal with our business. Like we install quite a bit of products from other companies. And if one of those um, products has an issue, yes, they contact us but really our hands are tied because you know that's a manufacturer issue so therefore they need to get us the new part you know that has nothing to do with us if that was a part we made in-house well then yes it's our responsibility to fix that yeah yeah i think that's fair um, so yeah i mean that that's the way i look at it so realistically if I was, you know, if something were to happen, I would first go to the hobby shop and just let them know, say, hey, you know, what what should I do? Because that's kind of like, I guess, the best way you're going to get an answer from them as far as like if they're going to help you out or even if they guide you into who to contact um, would be like, 
just mention it. Hey, you know, uh, let's just throw it out there. My ESC, you know, is freaking out. I don't know what to do. Um, is it user error? Is it this? And if you have them take a look at it and they go, hey, look, yeah, this, this, this isn't normal. This shouldn't be doing this. You know, we, we need to get a hold of so-and-so. Here's the best way to get a hold of them. We'll help you through it. Or they might just say, you know, it really depends. Then you might get the hobby shop that's like, hey, it's user error or it's, you know, it's malfunction. You got to get a hold of them. It's out of our hands. You're going to get, you know, one of the two answers. But like I said, I'm still going to stand by what I say. And it's, you know, the manu- ultimately manufacturer that needs to be um, held accountable. Yeah, definitely. I I don't know. I I don't know if I would even go to the hobby shop that I got it from to have anything taken care of. I think if it were me, I would, you know, directly contact the manufacturer and see what's up. What you, what I definitely wouldn't do would be to hop on Facebook and raise hell and then, you know, without having contacted anybody, which we've gone over in the past and we still continue to see it constantly. So it's just kind of one of those things. You know what I don't get though is... So with Trav and I coming from a racing background, like there's no warranty on race car kits. Like if I build a race car, throw it down on the track and I break an A-arm, like, you know, even if it's a freak thing, that's just part of it. It's like, you know, okay, put another one on. Like I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I mean, for one, it's not, there isn't a warranty like that with race cars, but also I just, it, I don't have the time to spend on something like that to try and fight and kick and scream to get something covered when it's like nothing, you know? It's like, okay, spend nine ninety nine and move on with your life. Like, I, it, it's silly. So I, I, these guys that are getting like, you know, like let's say you buy an RTR and the first, you know, drive the servo goes out and they contact the manufacturer and get a replacement servo and stuff. Like, that. that's cool. Like, that's, you know, I, I think that's nice but it's not something that you typically see in racing at all so i do feel like these the scalar guys are kind of spoiled when it comes to stuff like that well because what i think it comes down to is and i gotta want to go down like a a different path than staying on what like the the scale chat of it but it comes down to like i think just nowadays nobody wants to be held accountable for anything they always want somebody else to fix it and be held accountable even though you, you broke it or did something you know, like basically like, especially with like what we're dealing with, you know, RC cars, they are meant to be used. They are meant to be driven. There's going to be wear parts. Stuff's going to wear out. That It's like buying a real car, you know, stuff's going to happen to it. Now, once something does happen to it, <clears throat> it kind of becomes that whole, how do you prove that this was just normal wear and tear versus excessive wear and tear because i really don't think that you know and i'm i guess i'm trying to be too nice in saying this there are some people that are hard on the equipment but they just that's just normal to them that's just how it is and then there's other people who baby everything and then something happens and they're like well i was being extra careful so it's like you know but to them that's like normal so like they are they're always careful so it's like where do you draw the line and say you know this is what we call normal wear and tear well you yeah, know that is tough so i think there's a real life scenario i think you can kind of break it down to like me i i my 
real car is a Ford Focus, so it comes with a laundry list of problems and recalls. So, which Ford is nice enough to fix a lot of the time. All right. However, if I drive my car into a curb and I blow my tire, I don't go back to Ford telling them that shouldn't have happened. And that yeah, I, I that, like been a control arm or yeah, something. Yeah, and that yeah, any exactly. other any other day I'm really nice to my shit. You know, like that's, I think it's honestly, it's a lot like that. Like if you, if you roll your, like, this is the one we always see is like someone like rolled their scaler down a hill and it broke a caster block or something. And they're like, oh, that shouldn't have happened. And then they're like, they want a warranty with half a pound of weight. Yeah. Was, yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's <laughs> that factor. There's on. that factor too, but even people do that stock and break something just cause it's like, you know, that's what, that's what's going to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, everything has mechanical limits, you but know, instead and, like, of buying stuff is going to break. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I got into RC fully expecting like, Hey, parts are going to break and you replace them and that's it. Like I've never, ever like yeah. thought, you know, Oh, I'm going to, you know, but you want to have this AR yeah. replaced, but you want it warranted. Yeah. You want it warranted because you know, which you want it warranted when you do that instead of going to the hobby shop and spending $10 on a caster block parts tree. Yeah. I'll say this, like honestly with coming from racing and stuff, all you guys with RTRs that try and get your stuff warranted and everything else, you guys are lucky to have any kind of a warranty at all. And it's so week getting on Facebook and throwing a fit over a part breaking, especially if you haven't contacted the manufacturer, but like when it's something that like, okay, I saw a guy that broke an axle housing and you know, he had his links installed wrong. He had high clearance links and he had them bending towards the inside instead of, you know, actually having them give him extra clearance. <laughs> he turned them sideways and it ended up being exactly the same as, a normal link. So he, he didn't gain anything, but what happened is, is now that link being angled like that, you've got, you know, you've lost your rigidity from the triangulation there and it allows it to flex a little bit and then break something. And it's a $12 and 99 cent part. Do you really want to publicly look like some broke jackass throwing a fit over 1299? Like you look like such an ass getting on Facebook about a part that's barely over 10 bucks. Yeah. Like have a little class, you know Now, I mean? now like, in comparison though, now in comparison though, if you, if you buy an RTR and your first run five minutes into the run and your pinion bearing explodes, you should you contact them. I mean, cause that shouldn't happen. It does, yeah. but it shouldn't, you know? So right. the, you got to understand where the limits are. That's that's the key thing here. So we're not saying that warranty isn't justified because in a lot of cases it can be. It's about determining those like, okay, well, was I just being dumb or was this something that like truly should not have happened? You know, like the scenario I just described that shouldn't happen, but it does. So I, I think 30 days is a reasonable period of time for a warranty of any sort with RC because a lot can happen in that 30 days and a lot of different upgrades and other things can be, you know, changed out on a rig in that 30 days. So I think, you know, six months, I think that's a stretch. Like no one in their right mind is going to warranty anything for an RC car six months later. Um, the only thing really that I could see warranty, 
you know, like pursuing a warranty issue is electronics. That's really the only thing. Well, that they're I the think only I ones that really have take advantage of the warranty. They're the only ones that really have lasting warranties like MKS, for example. I think it's like within the first six months or a year. If something happens, you can you can have it replaced. Um, Which is amazing. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. quote me on it working exactly like that because it's been a well, been a little bit since I read that yeah. email. But I mean, it's they in the component game where stuff, even if it's good stuff, is going to fail at one point or another. Then it's you a know, little bit easier to understand. Yeah, you know what's funny is Tekken has a program where if your item somehow has an issue and it's out of the warranty period they have a setup where you can trade that in and get the newest version of it for half price like that is an amazing deal but nobody reads anything and no one takes advantage of it and so they freak out on facebook but i i think that that type of a warranty program i think is super super generous yeah i think so too um yeah um Chris Trudeau had a couple couple of comments. Um, he said, I guess the first one that directly replies to this is, um, having recently warrantied a product that died almost instantly, it can be tough and really on a case-by-case basis. Um, he said in the one that he did, that he had warrantied, he said, I actually received a personal call from the manufacturer who explained what they think caused the issue and how I could avoid the same problem again from happening in the future. In general, I feel that six months to one year manufacturer warranty is reasonable depending on the type of damage. Servos are one thing, stripped gears, etc. especially if the manufacturer offers a rebuild or replacement gear set. Things like motors and ESCs are somewhat subjective depending on what you do. I also think the application matters. Uh, are you racing? Are you a basher crawler, etc.? Yeah, basher crowd immediately. I don't know how you could get anything warrantied if you're a basher. Oh, uh, God, yeah. Because the abuse... The product is subjected to make a dif- is, is subject to make a difference. Also, uh, water, mud, hard landing, etc. The other comment they had, he posted a um, he posted a open can of a Traxxas Valenian motor, and it's completely caked in dust, and it's like, uh, like caked in dust. And he says, um, when you see the term waterproof. Um, and you buy a basher and subject it to abuse and then take this back to your local hobby shop or send it in for warranty and they find this. It's like, how do you respond to that? You know, and they say it's like less than six months old or whatever. It's like, is there any warranty claim there or is this just poor maintenance, right? Because there's a lot of people out there. I kind of get what he's getting at here because there's a lot of people out there that are like afraid of motor maintenance that and they never take their stuff apart. And then it fails after a while and it looks like how this one does where it's just caked in dirt. And they think that it's uh that it's it's covered under warranty, you know. Like so, it's kind of a rude awakening moment for a lot of people in that like circumstance. Well, actually, this so this kind of happened. Um, this happened to my co-host because he's the you know Macklin team manager, and so he deals with a lot of the direct um, the direct like warranty request stuff. And I won't say I I won't say who whose stuff it was, but. Uh, this guy was driving his car, you know, it was a race car and it was in pretty unfavorable conditions like mud and, and, and water, basically. Uh, the track was really wet. And so the inside of the ESC was just completely caked and stuff. And eventually the ESC failed, but they never took apart the ESC or anything to figure that out until they sent it in. So they take, a, they take the ESC apart. It's com- like, it's completely just brown from the, 
the coverage of dirt. <laughs> ESC stops working, and then they send it back. You know, they, you know, they send a picture of action, and it was like, well, do you think this is covered by warranty? They say, well, why wouldn't it? Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, funny, funny, you ask. Um, you know, so it's just it's things like that. Um, I, on one hand, for someone who's new getting into it. That's kind of a, that's a really, that's something that people learn the hard way a lot, especially with like servos. Um, yeah. Because people don't necessarily understand that everything on an RC car is a maintenance item. So there's always, you know, everything can be cared for or not cared for. If you don't care for something and it fails, there is the argument that, well, I mean, you should have taken better care of it. You should have not, you know, soaked it. You should have taken your motor apart and cleaned it and put it back together. Things like that. People assume a lot of things are plug and play and then things happen and they want the manufacturer to fix them. Not necessarily the case. Sometimes it is, but you know, everyone's warranty program is a little bit different. So yeah, it's actually, it's actually funny. I mean, I can kind of like piggyback off that conversation or that comment. Um, I had a buddy who used to work at a hobby shop here local to me before one before he moved in, two before the hobby shop closed. And if I had a dollar for every time somebody, you know, and maybe it's just because of where we live, it's a lot of, you know, hoity-toity people that don't, like, really think that, like, you know, oh, it's a toy. You just keep using it until it breaks, and then you take it into the store to get it fixed. Um, I If I had a dollar for every time someone would bring in a whatever it is, some, usually it would be some sort of Traxxas car, and – the thing, I'm not kidding. It's got caked on mud, caked on everything, and they bring it back. They set. I'm not kidding. They set it on the counter. Dirt and mud are still falling oh, off God. of it, and they go, "It's it stopped working." And my buddy would be like, he'd try every because you know he doesn't want the, the 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 hobby shop to get a bad name, and he's just like <laughs> biting his tongue. He's like, "You want me to work on this thing, and it looks like you just dredged it out of the bottom <laughs> of a pond." God, like. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and then after he spends all this time clean, I mean, I mean, he, and he, he was very like upfront. He said, well, look, I'm going to tell you right now, we have to thoroughly clean this before we can even inspect any damaged parts or to even find what's going on because you got so much stuff, you know, so they'd be like, it's going to be like X amount of dollars, like, you know, to fix because you're looking at like two hours of cleaning and they're like, well, that's, that's absurd. And it's like, no, what's absurd is you brought this, you know, muddy mess and set it on our countertop <laughs> and it's just like i mean i don't know and like i said maybe to some people they just think that's normal but i i, I mean because trust me i've had conversations with Elio. Like, <laughs> he'll send me pictures it's disgusting what some people think is like considered like normal i mean he's gotten cars brought to him that you literally look there's like old food wrappers sitting in the passenger seat there's like half drink milkshakes in the cup holders and you're just like and it looks like something puked in the backseat and you're just like going and you're bringing this in for me to fix your sunroof like you want me to work in this thing it's like i don't understand like and and it goes into the rc because you know clearly people just keep using their cars never take care of it never clean it out never do anything and then it breaks and they take it to somebody to get it fixed and it's like don't you think like you should clean this up before you bring it to them oh god it was like when i worked at best buy the auto techs i felt so bad for them because they people would bring in 
their you know their cars and their back seats they want like all all four door speakers replaced and everything else like they just you know they just spent two thousand dollars on a sound system or whatever but their back seat is like a, a sea of um you know fast food wrappers and kleenex and this and that and they never clean them so exactly they have to sit there and wade through all this and run wires and they like have to be like have it in their face god i that was like the second that I started to see that. I was like, well, there goes any interest there. Cause I, I'm not doing that. Like it's, and, you know, also to any listeners we have that, that if we have any that work at a hobby town, they're probably shaking their head listening to this. Cause you know, they've all probably well, yeah. experienced it more than yeah, they've, once. They probably, yeah, they've probably seen it all at least once. I mean, uh, like I said, it's just hard and maybe, maybe it's just hard, you know, like listening to that because like, if you think about it, you know, like, I don't know, maybe that's just how I am. Um, it even comes down to like my, my general truck. It's like, I don't, you know, I, I wash it, you know, I periodically wash it. I clean it up. I don't just let everything just cake on it, you know, because then when something happens, you're like, how are you going to fix it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I'll come back to Chris's other one later because it's a little bit irrelevant, but, um, Art Eastridge, he said, most companies are pretty good about warranty, in my opinion. I've only had one subpar experience that came from a certain three-letter company. After the incident, I sold the rig and moved on. Most of my experiences have been great with other companies. A company should stand behind their product, but shouldn't be expected to offer a replacement every failed part. It really comes down to time of ownership and conditions that cause the failure, unless it's an obvious manufacturing flaw. I usually just chalk it up to user error and use it as a good excuse to upgrade. Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think that's fair. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next one was from Greg Thrailkill. He said, I don't really have... That's, that's an awesome last name, Thrailkill. <laughs> um, I don't really have a good answer to give on the warranty discussion. I'm hard on some rigs and baby others, so I'd have to say a lot of the damage we see has to be driver-inflicted. I do feel six months from purchase is a good a good time frame for a warranty, though. Enough time to break it in and weed out weak parts. I bought a Gen 8 um, AXE, and it did nothing but break, and it was babied. Axles and housings were super weak. On a positive, though, I recently got a Micro Mamba X, and before I could get the testing and tuning worked out, it burnt up on me. Sent it to Castle with the build and conditions description within a week, and I had a new one, no questions asked. Shout out to Castle for their badass customer and product support. Oh, nice. Um, Alex Sims, he says, four months after buying an Arma Sentin BLX3S, a hard-to-reach bearing blew up in the motor. After emailing a receipt and a pick of the motor, Horizon sent me a brand new one and let me keep the old one. This was super generous, and I love that they let me keep the old one, which I was able to fix on the other side of the spectrum. I asked, on the other side of the spectrum, excuse me, I asked Red Cat if they could help me out with the Gen 8 axle spool I buggered up. Grub screw stripped in the flush with uh, and was flush with the spool. They told me, sorry, we don't warranty strip screws. I get it. Not mad about their decision, but it made me a little bit leery of buying another red cat. Now I just need Arma to make a crawler. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I It's bold to <laughs> warranty anything on an Arma. That's, that's my I first know, thought. That's like, I, I understand the whole, like that, you know, you know, warranty a strip screw, but I mean, some of the stuff, I mean, like, and I don't know if it's just design, like there are some stuff and I've seen it on multiple, um, companies 
and you're just like, really? You're going to put that kind of screw right here? Yeah. Because the minute that thing runs across a rock, there's going to be no way for you to take that screw out. Well, yeah, I played that like dangerous game with just race cars for like eight years, not owning a ball end wrench. And there would be some things that are just impossible to get to. You're just like, it's either going to come out or I'm going to strip it. And I clearly there's no alternative. I don't know why. I mean, it, it did not need to be done this way. So, yeah, I, I get that side of it, too. Um, now, if you're just power drilling each screw that you put in and eventually it's gotten to the point where the hex is now a circle, then, yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I wouldn't warranty that either. But it's all, I mean, it kind of varies. Um, uh, let's see. Wes Braswell says, I rarely go back to a manufacturer. I mean, if you use it, it breaks. Unless it's an obvious design flaw, I just take responsibility. I guess the part there because um, I've noticed this been said a couple times now is that when people say design flaw, but apparently what a design flaw is, is up for debate for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, kinda... I've noticed there's a lot of uh, armchair engineers in the RC yeah. world. Not, not picking on these guys at all, but it's just funny when people like you back to the face, thing. people post about on this is like, oh, they didn't need to be done this way. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it, it just, it, even if it's true, you know, it's like, okay. Um, and then Jeremy Joseph Olson, he says, I think there should be six to 12 months on electronics. Um, obviously within reason, you know, if you didn't, as long as you didn't do it yourself. That, man, people have some really high expectations for warranty periods. Electronics, I kind of get. Like, it, it, I, can, I can buy the six-month thing on electronics, I, but there needs to be the the separation in terms of what is a user error and what is, is, and what is a failure, you know, um, we had, we had an ESC, you know, I won't say who, or not ESC, a a server, I won't say who or what that burnt out a little while ago that didn't have a lot of time on it. Uh, I think it was like three or four months old. Um, and the, the board just was quitting. And I mean, they're, there was the, the it wasn't misused or anything. The application was appropriate for the servo to the car. Um, it just went out, and that happens sometimes. It just happens a lot sooner than it should. You know, it, it, you can get four months out of something, or you can get three years. I mean, it's buying. It's really like buying any other piece of electronics today. There's something that's not exclusive to RC. And as time goes on and more and more features are being pumped into these little things, but the size stays the same, then, or even, you know, gets smaller, then you're, you're going to be prone to more failure. Um, take, like, I don't know if, like, you take anyone who's listening to this has, like, had to buy a TV recently. You, you know, they're replacing a 20-year-old Mitsubishi, and they're expecting to get 20 years out of the next TV they buy, and that's just not going to happen. So RC is not really different in that regard, especially now. So I, I can kind of buy the six-month thing. But, again, it's there has to be some clear separation as well. I can understand. Uh, I mean, like same thing. If you plug it in backwards, should that be warranted? No. I mean, the, the, the manufacturer could be cool about it, but it shouldn't be expected. Yeah, no, you know? exactly. I, th- I think if... if- I found myself in a situation manufacturing electronics. I think I would do 90 days. I think that's fair for electronics. And I think if it was an RTR, 
you know, like the entire vehicle itself, I think I would probably do a 30 day warranty. Yeah. Yeah. A 30 day for RTR, I think is more than reasonable because they're that's still a lot of time to hell dude. Like they're going to get so hammered in that amount of time. Yeah. Um, Brad Geck said every customer and every situation is different. Start with sympathy and, and proceed. One of the most important lessons I have learned over the years is that as strange as it sounds, um, a complaint is a gift. If someone takes the time to contact you, they are giving you an opportunity. Some need an ear, some need a lesson, some need legit replacement parts, and some can flat out not be pleased. But each time you have to go in with a clean slate. It's not an easy job, at least not easy to do well. That guy would know. <laughs> That's actually pretty helpful. I'm going to try and keep that in mind forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just that's a, that's a pretty good philosophy i think so too i mean to, to be completely fair if nothing else that's the philosophy you need to not drive yourself completely crazy dealing with this kind of stuff yeah yeah absolutely um and then our final one on this subject in particular is uh from ryan crowley uh, it said, he said, it depends on the item produced and the usage intent of the design. Seeing as how ProLine is up for topic this evening, I use their product line. Do you feel that Pro 2 transmission should have the same warranty as, say, a ProLine Hyrax tire? The trans will be used hard in many ways, depending on what type of car it's in, on-road drag racing or short course racing. The Hyrax tower, however, it's only going to see rough terrain on a mountainside or high-grip rock surface in a comp. How the item fails or leaves the consumer upset will almost always be a case-by-case -case scenario in this hobby. It's, it can't, it's cannot be related to, say, Kia's 100,000-mile drivetrain warranty, which also has its case-by-case -case concerns from an actual failure versus operator error. I know I posted late, but that's my two cents. Any warranty given within this hobby will almost always resort to deciding what will be fair to both consumer and distributor uh, on the matter of the failed part at hand. And I think that's a really good point that he makes is that. Yeah, very. If you've got a variety, then you have to keep that in mind as well. Because, uh, and I think that's how a lot of these companies handle it. I don't think a lot of these companies sit out here with a, like, a big, like, poster above their desk for the person whoever's managing this thing and is like, here are the rules and guidelines for warranty. I think people just try and work out the best solution for everybody involved within reason. I mean, you just can't give stuff away every time if something breaks. But I think that that's what happens a lot of the time is the variety of usage for a lot of these things, like electronics. Elect the same pieces of electronics get used in four different pieces of RC. So this, the scenarios are going to be different in terms of how they fail. Right. So I think that that's a fair point to make. Um and then I, that's pretty much it on that regard. Um, Chris Trudeau did have one extra thing he posted um, in regards to a Hobby Wing product that just came out. Um, he said that, um, which I feel like this isn't new. This this rings a bell, and I'm not thinking of the uh, receiver and servo uh, two-in-one. But uh, he says, starting to see some manufacturers have ESC and motor combos as all-in-ones. What are your thoughts? Easier for bashers and crawlers? Guessing from a racer perspective, probably less likely the direction. Um, and he's referring to the quick run fusion um, two in one from Hobby Wing, which is the ESC and motor all in one can, basically. I haven't seen that. I remember the Orion one, and the Orion one wasn't around very long. No. But all, but it, uh, 
it also wasn't censored. So it makes me wonder if the Hobbywing one is censored. Uh, um, let me check. I can find out. Um, sorry, one moment. Personally, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if somebody could do it good, I think that's cool. But everything in RC is like so modular, you know? It's like there's always, you know, you're trying a different ESC or you're going to try a different mode or like personally... I hope they don't go that direction because every time you want to try a different turn motor, let's say like in drag racing, you were, you know, you're buying a whole new ESC motor combo. Yeah. And that, that could get expensive compared to the traditional way where they're separate. The reason I wouldn't buy one of these is the same reason that if I need a new Wi-Fi setup, I don't buy a modem router combo. I buy individual units because... If one fails, then I can just replace one piece. If something in it fails, though, if it's a combo unit, you have to replace the whole thing. How many people are going to be out there on the trail with just another one of these in their backpack? Yeah. Fairly unlikely, I think, because, you know, it, it said the, the crossed off price is $215, the price that that's showing me for the link that he gave is 149. I don't know if that's a sale price or if that's just a promotional gimmick, but I, I, even at 150 bucks, I mean, I'm still not going to buy like two and have one as a spare. Yeah. That's still a lot. That's still and a lot of money. It's a lot more cost effective to have a spare motor. If you're worried about burning one up, you know, cause you spend, I mean, what you can get a decent crawler motor for what? 40 bucks. Yeah. Probably even, and I mean, you can get a good crawler setup. So, so for less this, than a hundred dollars. Is the hobby wing a crawler setup? I saw one installed in a crawler today on Instagram. Um, so like hobby wing has, um, I'm not that familiar with it, but, but I have talked to a couple people, mainly friends with kids into stuff because I guess they're more like your budget friendly, I guess for lack of a better term. Um, I get electronic company, meaning that they kind of like dabble in all the different kind of like aspects. Like I've seen people run hobby wing. I don't quote me on what it is um, in their drag cars to go fast. And then I've even seen people cause they do make it like the ax system is designed for crawlers. So it's um, like, they kind of like make a specific, um, I guess electronic setup per what you're using it for. Yeah. Well, they're like so, a Tekin yeah, so, or any of those. Like, um, so yeah. Yeah. So Jay, they, it is, it, there are crawler specific ones. This one is well, for, crazy. The, yeah, the one at least that was shared here is specifically for the crawler. But I mean, they do, they do make competition electronics um, for like the racing world also. So some people like do run it in drag um, and they, they aren't particularly crawler setups, but um yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I I guess what they're trying to get is weight, but I I don't think that that's something we really have to be concerned about anymore. Um, well, there's one other thing. Like, I just want to like throw in there. I guess it's more um, water it resistant too. To, to do with like, I'm trying to think of a way to say. It. You know, these warranty things, like, and people always finding, like, getting so shocked about stuff. If you really, like, if you were somebody who really cared that much about the warranty, 
every single manufacturer puts their warranty on their website. Yeah. You can look it up. I mean, I just thought, like, well, you guys are talking. That's exactly what I did is I went to a couple um, notably popular companies. And if you go underneath the um, the information, they usually have a drop down tab that says um, warranty and like literature and you read it and they straight up tell you everything that's covered, not covered um, and where to go from there. So, I mean, I'm not saying to look at it like that kind of like mentality, like, oh, you're going to go buy this. You better go read up on the warranty. But if you are somebody who believes that strongly in the warranty and that you want your items covered under warranty, maybe you should start reading what their warranty policy is before you go crying that this wasn't covered for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I think, yeah, I mean, that's a good point to be made for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna be that way, I'm not saying like, you know, to be like a stickler, but I'm just saying if, you know, a lot of these people that make these co- these comments or these claims saying like, oh, I used this this one time, and oh, look, and this what happened, and it's like, well, did you even, like, if you're gonna strictly go, oh, they should have taken care of this, if I was the company, da 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 da, did you did you even once read the warranty? before you started making all these claims or did you just start foaming at the mouth before, you know, you educated yourself? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Like I said, it's hard. Warranties are always a hard thing. And I think it really comes down to at the end, the type of person, if it's, you know, somebody who's totally on the stickler spectrum or somebody who's totally laid back and kind of, like yeah i get it um and yeah then there's everybody in between yeah yeah i agree i like it um the other thing i was gonna say is um but see i don't want to really be giving out too much information um i did help chris a little bit with that mks issue with the servo oh okay so that would that was good. Everything worked out great. Um, that was definitely a um, that was definitely a product problem. That was not a hidden problem. So that was cool. And what's cool is some people they you know it's like they get it. You know they just want somebody to kind of like like where do I go to kind of thing. Because um, like I the only issue I've ever ever had where I needed to do a warranty was on way back when, when I first got, probably like around the first year when I got into this, um, back when Novak was a company, um, I was running a lot of Novak basically because that's what I started on. So I just kind of like stayed with what I knew before branching out into other companies. But um, I had gotten a brand new um, Iger. It was a Novak Iger uh, speed control and I, you know, did everything like, like you always do solder on your battery leads, you know, plug everything in. As soon as you plug in a battery, the ESC would start getting hot. And I was like, there's something wrong here. This does not make sense. So, um, at the time I didn't, you know, I just went back to my buddy at the hobby shop and said, Hey dude, is this normal? Plugged it in, showed him. He said, Oh, nope. Got to get a hold of, of Novak. 
And he was actually nice enough, probably more because he was my buddy. He got a hold of Novak, and they just said, yeah, send us the old one, and we'll send you the new one. Yeah, you know, sucked because you're waiting for a new part to show up, but hey, at least it's taken care of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. Yeah, makes sense. So... Nice. Yeah, I mean that that covers all the questions we had uh, or comments rather. Um, yeah. the The only other thing I was gonna say is the other thing too is I don't I don't know maybe it's just because it's just how I am with stuff. I don't understand the people that are very like they're they're hard up on the whole term waterproof. I mean, I th- I, the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because I feel it kind of like goes hand in hand with the warranty because there's a like face it, there's a lot of companies out there now that claim their products are waterproof, um, but I've never, or maybe I'm just you know blind to it, but I've never really seen anybody ever complain and say, oh yeah, my quote unquote waterproof thing you know fell apart and didn't work. Um, I mean, have you guys ever seen any kind of a waterproof claim on something that was claimed to be waterproof and it didn't actually hold up? Not personally. Like, I I don't know if I've even really seen any gripes online where people are complaining that, you know, something said it was waterproof and it was damaged because of water and, you know, they tried to get it covered or something. I, I've never actually seen anything like that. Yeah, I mean, same here. You can probably you know, make a pretty safe bet that if you do say that something's waterproof, there's going to be people out there testing it. Like, you know, they're going to drive underwater with it and everything else. I I don't know. I, I think water resistant is a little bit safer term to go with, you know, kind of makes me think back in a day with like Casio watches and stuff, you know, where they'd be, you know, water resistant to whatever depth. And I don't know. It's, that that's a touchy yeah. subject, man. That would be and that really makes hard. more that makes more sense to me. I, I like hearing the term. I think water resistant kind of makes it a little bit more fair on both parties because you know the most manufacturers, especially in hobby grade RC, are going to take into consideration that there is going to be some sort of water, you know, and debris and dirt and whatnot that actually contacts you know, these products, so you know, it's going to be somewhat, you know, um, built to withstand some of that. Um, I do know that there are some, you know, like for instance, Traxxas has a servo that's straight up waterproof, says it's a waterproof. Um, same with, I think Savox has one too, but there's a handful of companies that have them and they say, oh yeah, they're waterproof. Um, and the only reason why I bring this up is because I still think about it because my number one question I get being an MKS uh, driver is they go, well, what servo do I get if I want a waterproof servo? And my answer is I've never really felt the need to need a waterproof servo. Um, I don't drive my – I don't submerge it underwater. Um, I have, but I'm saying I don't – my intention isn't to take – my car and submerge it to the point where it needs to be waterproof I, I do the same you know setup that i do with all of them um put a little dielectric grease on the connectors when you're putting it into the receiver um and then sometimes i'll even go and 
but like a little rubber o-ring when i clamp the servo horn on just to kind of keep any debris and water from going in the front end and other than that most servos especially like a mks a little more high-end hobby grade company they put a rubber o-ring where the two cases come together so that's going to keep a lot of the water and debris out so um it's really comes down to like what are you intending to use with it like if you like if if you're planning on just like submarining your car every chance you get well then yeah you're going to want something that's labeled waterproof see like the tekken stuff says element proof but Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean like if i were the you know a customer and i just spent 340 bucks for an rx4 and a rock 412 you know brushless system i'm not gonna you know just dunk the thing and (laughs) drive it and put it to the test you know see and and that was the other point like i was trying to make like you know it's like okay i'm in the same boat like i'm not gonna go drop you know a couple hundred dollars on the electronics in my car and just go decide to dunk it underwater yeah let's roll the dice and see if they see if they're lying or not like that's I don't, I mean, there's it's, people like that dude that's the funny part though is like there's people that way like if it's waterproof they are going to drive it in a foot of water they're going to drive it underwater i mean i don't know rc guys are crazy yeah i guess you're right i mean it's just i don't know it's just hard um so yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what else did we have? Was that it? I think that was, I think that was pretty much it. We covered everything. We covered the, the little news there was. We went over our questions, um, slash talked about the warranty stuff. Um, we learned that people want really long warranties. For, yeah, which for for three hundred dollar trucks. <laughs> that really kind of blows my mind because, like, I mean, I'm. I guess I'll just put it into perspective. I mean, okay, look at my my truck. It's 2019 2500 uh, heavy duty Chevy, and that warranty. Realistically, if you think about what's covered and how long it's covered for, it really comes down to how much you use that vehicle like if you break down the warranty i want to say like i think the bumper to bumper ends at like sixty thousand. the um the fuel system ends at thirty thousand. the i mean they break it down into all the different systems because they know what systems are more likely failure prone or have issues versus others and like some of them that blow my mind is like thirty thousand. i'm sitting here going at first you're like oh yeah thirty thousand. that's that's kind of a lot well maybe i've just done a lot of driving but uh i've had that truck for exactly a year and i already have fourteen thousand miles on it so it's oh, like wow. maybe another year year and a half that war- that part of my warranty is gone yeah and these and you know and this is a vehicle theoretically when you think about you're, you're gonna buy a vehicle you're gonna have it for like you know a hundred ish maybe more thousand miles you know probably pushing it to 200,000. I mean, so most people keep their vehicles I want to say 5, 10 years. Yeah. Maybe that's like, yeah, that's probably know. about right. I mean, so if you think about it, in that time, you're probably going to burn through a lot of the stuff rather quickly and you're paying twice the well, obviously more than twice. You're you're paying thousands more on a real vehicle. So, I mean, on your little 
you know, like you said, a couple hundred dollar car and they want like a one year warranty on the stuff, you're like, it's kind of pushing it. You want to keep it scale, you get a 10th scale warranty. <laughs> <laughs> so if you got a hundred thousand go. mile powertrain warranty, guess what? Your RC car is a 10th of that. Now, what I, I guess I'll just throw it in there because this, this has to do with like the theme of this episode. So I'm surprised and well, not really surprised, but I, I guess it's kind of interesting that I, we haven't seen somebody try to come up with some sort of a like aftermarket warranty thing for these cars, if that makes sense. Like, because like I'm going back to thinking about stuff, you know, Elio being one of my uh, buddies that I talk, talk to a lot um, and they're in the automotive industry. So he was telling me that they have a client that comes into Ford and he's got a Raptor and the thing's trick. It's basically ready for the Baja. It's got aftermarket A-arms. Um, it's got aftermarket skid plates. Uh, you know, everything's just like, you know, triple bypass shocks, all this like trick stuff, right? it's completely caged and like he'll send me pictures look it's thin again and i'm like for what what are you guys doing to that thing that thing's like a race truck like how are you guys able oh no we're redoing we're giving him a new transmission because he blew the bell housing off the thing da, 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 da. and he's got some, some sort of aftermarket he pays big bucks for it some aftermarket warranty all he has to do it gets fixed and he picks the car up when he's done wow it's nuts. Like, so what I, I guess, like, it's kind of like crazy that, you know, but I, like I said, I think there's too many variables. But I mean, realistically, if you want that kind of a warranty, I think then you need to pay for it. If you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to ex- have that high expectation, then you're going to need to pay for that kind of an extended oh, warranty. Dude, no, that'll never happen. It's the people are so entitled when it comes to stuff like that. Like, I just spent. <laughs> 300 of my hard-earned dollars on this thing you better believe they're gonna cover you know i mean it's like it, it sounds just stupid but like that's really how people think dude like it, it's absolutely oh, no. nuts uh trust me i get it i've seen it and you know i don't why know, like look that. like a broke douchebag over 12.99 like, why throw a shit fit online over twelve ninety nine? Like, you just alerted the whole world that you're just a douche, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, like I said, it I comes mean, down to... shouldn't that be uh, embarrassing? Well, I It'd would be embarrassing, embarrassing for me. I'm not going to be like, dude, this $10 part broke, you know? It's like, you know, I'm going to have a fit over it. Like, I would be embarrassed to all hell to you know, like raised an issue about it online and stuff. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know like collectively as a group, we all kind of like laugh at stuff like that when we see it online and everything like, Oh, can you believe this guy? This is crazy. Blah, blah, blah. You know, but man, I just, I, I don't know. That takes a bold person to pursue some of the things that they do when it comes to stuff breaking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it comes down to, like I said, I I think it comes down to kind of like how everybody just acts now. Everybody's entitled. They don't want to hold, there's no accountability held for anything, and they want everybody else to fix it. It's kind of like what's going on with society right now. No accountability. 
They want everybody else to fix it for you. Doesn't want you know, but but the expectations are high. Dude, we sound like such a bunch of grumpy old men. Like, I'm back in my day, you know. Like yeah. these people these days, well, they don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. That's just the way I see Think it. Think how maybe, we're going to be when we're sixty. Like when we're sixty, we're going to be the most bitter group of people there ever was. Yeah, but by then it's not going to be like stay off my lawn, stay out of my pod. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, These kids have no respect. So, yep. Uh, well, I'm old. <laughs> hey, I already feel old. I was getting up from uh, the crawl space today, and I'm just like sitting there stretching here, and my knees pop, and I'm just going like, man, I said, I'm, I'm only 30 years old. I said, I don't know what this is going to do in the next 10. Dude, it sucks. I can tell you right now. Like, I was just not doing anything difficult today and my knees just started screaming at me it was just bad like arthritis lately has been kicking my ass like my hands especially because i have been doing a lot of like packaging and a lot of like cutting with scissors and stuff like that you know getting stuff packaged up to ship out to a main and my fingers and hands and thumbs hurt so bad from it it's just (laughs) miserable yeah, I know how that You're, is. You don't have a lot to look forward to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be way real with you here as you get older. It really gets worse. So. Sick. <laughs> Just pre- prepare yourself. We'll prepare all the listeners too. Once after you hit 25, it's all downhill from there. It pretty much is. There's a lot of stuff they just don't tell you about, <laughs> you know, like just stuff will stop working and things will hurt and. Yep, but that'll have to be another conversation. What's that? Being old? All of that, getting old. Yeah. Dude, I hope I'm like 70 out hiking around with my scaler. That would be great. Don't we all? Just look like some crazy-ass old man out there in the woods with his RC car. By then, like I said, it'll be something else. Like, it won't be an RC car anymore. It'll be, like, some, like, automated, you know, you, you, you take the chip out of your neck and you put it in there, and then it, like, you know, you see by curiously through <laughs> the car. And... Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not going to say anything. This isn't an After Dark episode, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Yeah, we already have one episode just, that's already never they, getting released. So. Thinking about what wonders may lie ahead for us <laughs> in the future as far as technology goes. No, sir, uh, I don't like it. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to stop. <laughs> All right, I guess we say before it gets weird, you want to just uh, end it? Oh, it got Wait. weird like an hour ago. We can wrap, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Someone, someone, lead us out. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. Well, thank you for <laughs> listening to our nonsense. Um, as we try to get ourselves together here, uh, we will see you next week. And thanks for tuning in. Good Bye. Save.
everybody, welcome back to that Scale RC show for episode 56 with Jay, Jeremy, and Adam. What's up, guys? What? <laughs> Jay, Travis, <laughs> Travis, and some fucking guys that don't even know their name. <laughs> Let's try this again. No, no, you've done it now. We got a <laughs> podcast about our sea cars and like three dickheads. <laughs> we'll talk about it every week, and that's about it. Nice. Let's just roll with it. That we can beep out the bad words. That'll be our opening. Just a complete cluster. Yeah, I mean it's been a while since we've done this, so people will understand. We're a little, yeah, we're I, a little I don't even know where I am. I, my headphones don't even fit anymore. <laughs> God. All right. Uh, so, 